Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. In just a few minutes, Senate President Robert Stivers talks about how Kentucky will respond to COVID now that the state Supreme Court has essentially allowed the legislature to assume control of most of the policies. What changes, if any, will lawmakers make? Senate President Stivers will be joining us shortly. But first, Governor Andy Beshear granted us an exclusive interview earlier in the week to react to the rulings that stripped his long-term emergency power, a ruling that he had fought hard against. The Kentucky Supreme Court uh, sided with the legislature in this legal battle over the governor's powers in an emergency. Uh, they're letting stand a law that was passed earlier this year by lawmakers. What, what is your reaction to the ruling? Well, for the past 18 months, I've been willing to make the tough and oftentimes the unpopular calls to keep our people safe, to make sure that we are following the science and to prioritize the lives and health of our people, the education of our kids and the resurgence of our economy. And I've been willing uh, to run the ball for these last uh, 18 months and to make those tough calls. Uh, moving forward, what the Supreme Court has said is those calls are going to have to be made by the legislature. So my hope is that they will have the courage to do the hard things. As our hospitals are filling up, as we're running out of ICU beds, we're going to have to strongly consider uh, statewide mask mandates. Uh, I've been willing to, to make that tough call in the past. That'll be something along with other issues that now the state legislature will have to confront. But I'm going to continue to do everything I can from uh, my side. I'm working with FEMA to try to get us more nurses, uh, more EMTs, more ambulance runs. We're working on strike teams from the National Guard. So people can expect me to continue to work as hard as I can, uh, but I'm not going to have the same options and, and flexibility to save lives as we've had thus far. Governor, legislative leaders uh, are vowing to work with you on responding to the pandemic. Are you taking them at their word on that, that they will collaborate on decisions, or are you at this point saying it's your policy to make now? No, we, we were talking last night with legislative leaders, have a meeting uh, here today, so I'm going to do whatever I can to provide um, all the information and the strong recommendations of where we need to go. The difference now is it's going to be ultimately on them uh, to be able to, to say, okay, we're going to move forward uh, with this unpopular or, or difficult decision. But certainly we're going to collaborate with them and ultimately whatever authority we're given, I'm going to use to the best of my ability to protect as many Kentuckians as we can. So it sounds like you are on the verge of calling a special legislative session. Well, again, we, we want to sit down. We want to look through. Um, you know, my concern is once the injunction is lifted, uh, certain things uh, uh, go away that I think everybody would agree that we need. Things like recognizing the, the nurse and doctor's license of out-of-state practitioners to help bolster uh, our health care force. Uh, some other pieces like that. I certainly think there are a number of things that everybody uh, agrees on. So we're going to do our best. Uh, and I'm certainly going to answer every phone call, uh, go to every meeting, provide every piece of information I can, and hope for the best. Though, uh, you know, stripped of legal authority, uh, you and future governors, by uh, the, this uh, legislative action that's been upheld by the courts, you still have what uh, some would consider to be the, the bully pulpit, or at least a lot of influence as you, uh, as you speak uh, to Kentuckians. What will you be asking them to do? What will you ask the legislature to do uh, as we uh, face uh, this latest wave in the pandemic? 
Well, the first thing that I need the people of Kentucky to do is to care about one another, is to do what it takes to make sure that the people around you and the people in your community are, are here uh, for the next holiday celebration, that they make it through uh, what will be a very deadly wave of this Delta variant. So I need you to get vaccinated. We think we're gonna get full FDA approval of Pfizer today, so that takes away uh, one of the concerns that's out there. Uh, a couple other myths are that it makes you sterile or can impact pregnancy. Those are just myths. So we need you to get out there and to get vaccinated. Protects you, helps us beat uh, uh, this, this pandemic. Second thing is you really need to be wearing a mask when you are out of the home and indoors. I was out a bit with my family uh, this weekend. I didn't see a whole lot of mask wearing. Folks, this is real serious. It spreads really, really fast. Uh, regardless of, of, of what goes on moving forward, schools really need to have universal masking all around the country. Those that don't do it are getting wiped out with an entire school system in Texas that is in quarantine, an entire school system. Uh, and then we need people to, to make sure they're checking in on each other. Uh, when somebody has come down with COVID, I've had seven or eight friends come down with COVID in the last three or four days, uh, giving them a call, making sure uh, they're healthy. Uh, to the uh, legislature, um, I need them to work with us to make sure we keep things um, in effect uh, that can provide federal funding, uh, that can help us bolster um, our healthcare workforce. I need them to very strongly consider uh, mask mandates, including a, a statewide one. If we run out of hospital beds, you know, that's a step I was gonna be willing to take, uh, but can't now. And so. I hope that they will very strongly consider it because if we don't uh, increase our vaccinations and we don't wear masks, that's when all those other things that no one wants to see again uh, suddenly come into play. Can you tell us, Governor, were you on the verge of uh, instituting a statewide uh, mask mandate? Well, we were certainly uh, actively considering it. Um, and if our hospitals continued to fill up the way they have been, that answer is yes. We can't let every single bed of a hospital be full. Uh, and, and that was the tipping point. Not that everyone was, but if the trend continued to go the way it was, uh, that was our only choice. We don't have a tool other than vaccinations and masking that can stop this virus un unless you wanna suddenly start impacting capacity or, or, or do shutdowns. And I'm absolutely against doing those again. So that leaves us with masking and I uh, very much hope that the state legislature will take a very strong look at it. Doesn't impact anybody's liberty. You still have your freedoms of, of speech and, and religion and to gather. Uh, what we don't have is the liberty to spread a deadly virus to other people when we could prevent it. If you call the legislature in, are you likely to request to uh, address them and, and, uh, and the people of Kentucky? Uh, you know, that remains to be seen right now. We are having uh, what I think are some good conversations uh, and, and ways we can decide on everything quickly and, and do the, the uh, session if one is required uh, very quickly. Governor Andy Beshear from earlier this week, and we're coming right back with Kentucky Senate President Robert Stivers in a moment on Kentucky Newsmakers.
Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers on WKYT. Senate President Robert Stivers, usually careful and deliberate, has handled things in that same cautious way since the state Supreme Court ruling in favor of letting the legislature have more control over long-term emergencies. Stivers is a Republican from Manchester. He's also been pushing people in rural Kentucky to get vaccinated as COVID has been rapidly spreading across the state. Will the legislature make substantial changes now in the COVID response and policy? And as he looks ahead to the 2022 legislative session, it's sure to be busy with a need for a state budget, redistricting, and the ongoing response to the pandemic and its fallout. Mr. President, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it very much. Glad to be here. You know, it's clear that the pandemic is as bad as it has been uh, right now. The, the Supreme Court has cleared the way for the state legislature to be much more involved now in the pandemic response. What will happen next? Do you expect a special session? I do, uh, but I think it would be at the appropriate time with a measured response. And to that extent, uh, we were just talking about the fact that looking through a whole series of regulations and executive orders we call EOs, um, things that we know readily that we can agree to do that need to be done, such as emergency certification of medical personnel, either people who are here training uh, that we may bring in to the mix or giving reciprocity to individuals coming from out of state in an expedited fashion. If there is a special session, and you indicate at some point there will be, do you foresee that there will be a lot of changes in the governor's policy? He also indicated he was right on the verge of issuing another statewide mask mandate. Well, I'm going to go looking at other states. You've seen other states. If you're going to do mandates of that nature, they really should be targeted based on the positivity rate, other things of that nature, local influences to see if they're effective or not, rural versus metropolitan, uh, vaccination rates. I don't think there's going to be a lot of support for just a blanket mask mandate because I think at this point in time, we need to be focusing on shots, behavioral modification for those individuals who don't want to take the shots, and look at how, where there are needs for treatment and staffing and personnel, how we can better serve that region or those areas of the problem. And that's not the problem, but it is how you treat the problem. Would you foresee the legislature shifting decisions about such things as the school mask mandate back to the local districts uh, instead of the statewide rules uh, uh, that were passed by first the governor who rescinded his after the court order and now, uh, or the court ruling, and now the, the Department of Education? Yeah, I could see that very seriously happening because we've had certain school systems where you have had very successful responses without a mask mandate. And you might see protocols that say, as long as you're at this stage, it is a local level, but if it gets above a certain area, you have certain guidances that you have to follow. Um, so it's not something that is, here it is, blanket, follow it. Your educators, your principals, your superintendents and your school boards, I think are very aware, well aware of this, and they understand what needs to be done, whatever that may be in their district. Um, and so I think they're better situated to make that decision and do it in a responsible fashion. 
With these legal battles that uh, that really change things for uh, for all of this going forward in the future, have been avoided if Governor Bashir had been more collaborative uh, with lawmakers from the beginning. It's a really good question. Um, you can remember some of the comments he said that I have the authority and I don't have to deal with them, uh, and that's the essence of it. Well, he also said you can't manage a crisis by committee. Well, there is a certain reality to that, but setting the policy and understanding our Constitution and setting parameters, we can do that, and we can do it in a pretty expeditious way uh, when you're narrowly focused. That's what Section 80 of the Constitution was about. You call a special session on a single issue, and you can do it in a couple of days. You just need to do the prep work to it and then come in and take care of it. And we've had many five-day sessions um, that, that have taken care of huge issues over my career. So let me see if I'm hearing you correctly. Some of the legislature's response may very well be creating a framework of rules by which the governor can operate and then he can still make the day-to-day -day decisions. That's exactly what the process is about. We set policy, co-equal branch, executive branch executes on that policy. And so that's what I have preached from day one, and that's what our Constitution reads, that's what the prior case law has said, and that's what the Supreme Court said in a 7-0 decision, that the governor only has the authority given to him by the legislature. But if, if I can just say one other thing, you're so right about setting this, but not just setting the rules, but setting it for periods of time. We could stagger it. For 30 days, you have this authority. 45 days, you have this authority. Or you have this authority till we come back in session in January. Uh, but are you getting into a series of special sessions if it's 30 days and then it exists again, the you, conditions exist? You could, but what I'm saying is in a special session, we could set tiering without the need to come back in. So for 45 days, you can do X. For 60 days, like the emergency certifications, you can have 90 days of emergency certifications to deal with this. You know, so that, that's why I'm saying we could tier it within a singular session. Do you think the policies going forward will be more reflective of the, the, the will of Kentuckians given the, the, the parameters now that the governor is under and, and what the legislature uh, will want to do with policy? That's a really interesting question, Bill, because what is the will of the public? I think it's very divided. Well, right now it is, right? It's extremely divided. And I think right now what needs to happen is one thing, the governor and I are not divided. And, and I always use Senator McConnell and the governor because I think they're considered the leaders of their respective parties. They are in agreement. I'm in agreement. We need to get shots. You know, so that's one. How we deal with things after the shots, there may be disagreement. But the best thing we can do right now for people, we can't stop what's going to happen tomorrow, but two weeks from now, putting shots in arms would make a real difference in this. Senator, some have said if politicians would work as hard uh, to inform people about vaccines as they do in getting themselves elected to office, uh, that more people would be getting shots. Are you beginning to see that uh, that happen? Well, to a certain extent, I'm going to say I think politicians have been somewhat tainted because they've seen this as a more of a national political battle than a local political battle. I think it would be, we would be better served. Um, 
I don't know if he does this on your station, but like Ryan Stanton, and I think is his name as a doctor, comes out and starts being more vocal and educational about this. Or a Dr. Holsinger, who could have been the Surgeon General of the United States, who is a public health advocate and expert, says things and removes politicians. Because, you know, <laughs> I think people see this as when you see somebody, the politics is getting in way of the policy. And I think it would be better for leaders in their community, be it doctors, be it religious leaders, be it educators, step forward with the message. People who might have some uh, uh, removal from politics. Is Local influencers who can help have behavioral modifications through incentives, education, uh, awareness, those types of things, I think, are what's going to make a difference at the local level. Uh, can't leaders, though, help give them the floor to speak and the platform? Totally. And actually, that's what we're trying to do in some places. And, you know, UK is doing that to incent students. Uh, I think some of the other universities are doing that. I saw some local businesses in Frankfurt coming together to incent vaccinations. We announced what we're doing. Uh, with a media blitz, with that type of personnel. You're doing some things in your own district? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's how, with positive reinforcement, uh, that's how you change that dynamic. Congressman Hal Rogers uh, apparently this week uh, uh, expressed some disappointment in, the, in how many have been vaccinated and, or, you know, how few have been vaccinated in the 5th Congressional District. Uh, do you feel the same way uh, as regards your district? That is my district. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a large port, Yes, I'm a large portion of Congressman Rogers' district. I wish people would take the vaccine. There's been a lot of misinformation, and we have seen. And and I want to use this. That's that's the the wall to keep this from going further. As I said a little bit earlier, you know, if we get infected today, that can't help what we've done today. But putting that vaccine in the arm two weeks from now when it takes full effect in 14 days, that person's less likely to get infected. There's always exceptions to the rule. but that And that's how you stop this. Several school districts uh, have already had to close. Uh, uh, Franklin County is going to do NTI days this uh, upcoming week, and they will use up five of their NTI days in doing that. Uh, so uh, the, the virtual instruction was limited by the legislature because nobody saw this coming, uh, that we have this uh, summer surge. Uh, but they're limited back to 10 days as they were pre-pandemic. Schools uh, had unlimited for a time period there once uh, things hit. Will that have to be revisited? It will have to be. Um, we were talking about Lee County. Uh, in Lee County, we've had many calls, and we're getting calls from our board chairs. They decided to let the fifth grade class be excused because there was such a positivity rate and didn't dismiss the rest of the school system. So they shouldn't be punished, and that's part of this component with average daily attendance and how they're funded. So yes, that and NTI, but here's what I say to this. We are aware of the circumstances. Let's do what we need to do right now. We can revisit that at any time during the session, which will be in place in about 120 days. So we can deal with that either now or in January. 
You've acknowledged that uh, the state is very politically divided right now. And as you look ahead to the legislative session, and we know things are, are, are coming up, uh, you know, that have to be done, the state budget, you need to do redistricting. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the COVID policies will no doubt uh, be debated as well. There is one that would uh, build pre-file that would forbid employers from having a vaccine mandates. That will evidently be discussed. Uh, whether uh, employers would be liable for workers' comp if somebody had some sort of a reaction to a shot. You expect those debates to be, uh, to be tough? I think they will be, and I think people need to understand, too, it's a much more complicated issue because as a hospital where you deal with fragile people, if your employee gets infected by a patient, then they are subject to a claim for workers' compensation because it was acquired on the job. Well, let's reverse it. What if the employee infects the fragile patient who dies? Then my brethren in the legal community are probably going to sue that hospital for malpractice by not requiring their people to have shots, knowing that they are dealing with a fragile population. Totally different than my son, he hates me doing this, who drives a truck and works for East Kentucky Power and climbs lines that doesn't see anybody all day. You know, you'd, you'd think there would be a different policy there, but each business really needs to look at the policy and set their policy based on what's prudent and reasonable. Is there enough bandwidth to get all these things done, to, to debate the, the COVID policy that will no doubt be still uh, out there in, to some measure, get a state budget done, and deal with this redistricting, which is always tough and emotional? This is the most important session for the next 10 years because of the one thing you said, redistricting. This is how our state will work governmentally at the state house level, the state senate level, and the congressional level. So I would hope that the governor would call us into session prior to a special session. We're not ready now because we don't have the data, but call us in so we can get that off the board so we can focus on COVID policies and budgets. Because if not, we're gonna have to devote the first few weeks to that because you know I represent Whitley County. You know that we may have to shift. I may have Whitley, I may have McQuarrie, I may have Knox, I may, you know, we don't know. So what roads do they need there? What water and sewer infrastructure do they need there? So nobody will know until we get that redistricting out of the way. Senator, how much transparency will there be with redistricting? You, you know the, the League of Women Voters and some other groups have said, you know, let's have some, let's have hearings, let's have input uh, from people across the state. I always find it interesting that the League of Women Voters now say that when my counterparts in the House used to make districts that were specifically set up for them to maintain control, didn't hear much from the League of Women Voters then. But uh, And they acknowledge that and say they were wrong, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always, I always say, think that's funny. Now they say let's look ahead. You yeah. Know? Uh, I mean, know, does it have to be purely political? You know, and I'm going to go back to what we did. Um, eight years ago when we I was sued. Um, you know, we sat down with our counterparts and everybody in the Senate voted for our plan because as Julian Carroll said, we made districts that made everybody happy for what they currently had. This is very difficult because of competing constitutions and complying with the state constitution and the federal constitution, which sometimes are inconsistent, um, where you have to have equal representation but not split counties. That's really hard to do. Um, but I think we can craft a plan 
but we'll have to do it before the session. Senator President Stivers, thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. Glad to. Anytime. Stay with us on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Across the nation, voting rights taking center stage. This week, the House passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. This bill would strengthen the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The legislation will likely face opposition in the Senate. And this weekend, dozens of marches will be held across the nation in support of voting rights, including here in Washington. Saturday marks the 58th anniversary of the March on Washington and Martin Luther King Jr.'s inspiring I Have a Dream speech. Dr. King led America in a fight for equality and justice with a commitment to nonviolence. He also fought for voting rights and desegregation. Back in 1963, roughly a quarter of a million people marched on Washington and listened to his I Have a Dream speech. But it was the 1965 march from Selma to Montgomery that truly grabbed the nation's attention. The initial march only made it a few blocks before police attacked, ambushing peaceful protesters, beating them, and unleashing attack dogs and tear gas. Across the nation, Americans watched the televised brutality in horror. Months later, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act of 1965. On Saturday, thousands will march again to remember Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy and continue his mission. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you. And remember that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren. It's coming up at 11.30 on WKYT. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT this morning and throughout the day. And we hope you make it a good week ahead.